Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 63 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In the last podcast, we had some advice for presenters who find that their speaking time is running short. In this episode, we hope to continue what will be a an annual tradition on this podcast and survey the legal technology landscape. Tom, what's our agenda for this episode? Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, we'll discuss the recently released 2011 ILTA Inside Legal Law Firm Technology Purchasing Survey. In our second segment called Revisiting, we'll talk about questions, comments, and discussion raised by our last podcast. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our first segment, uh, Law Firm Technology. Each year, our friends Joanna Forche and Jopst Elster at Inside Legal uh, do work with ILTA, the International Legal Technology Association, to conduct a survey on legal technology spending habits that uh, that law firms have from year to year. They just released the 2011 survey in, in, uh, in conjunction with the ILTA conference that was in Nashville this week, and we'll be taking a closer look at it in this episode. Dennis, want to give our listeners some background on the survey? Yeah, Tom, I really like this survey because it's, um, it's directed at, at sort of the, the 50 lawyer and up firms. Um, it, that's an area where it's traditionally been hard to get really good data. And, and this survey, I think, has improved every year and, and gives really useful data for for lawyers in firms in that category. And then and I, I think that uh, even lawyers in, who are solo and small firm can draw some conclusions out of this as well. I really like the fact that they focus on the, the, the real decision makers, so the IT directors, the C-level associates. And, and this year, 85% of the survey respondents were of that level. So it, it really gives you, I, I think, a, a pretty good picture of what's going on out there. Um, and so and you can draw some conclusions that I think can be helpful to people. So I think the sense we got that I got was not a lot of change going on, not a lot of really, you know, innovative, uh, uh, new things happening, but a little bit of a comeback from uh, the the slashing budgets of 2009. You don't see a lot of lot of increases, but sort of more of a steady state. A little bit of a comeback, maybe in in some places, gives you a sense that that two to four percent of of total firm revenue being sent, being spent on technology is probably where the bulk of firms are and, and I think that can be useful for for lawyers in in and the decision makers and other firms to to understand to give, give you a baseline um, like I said not a lot of budget cutting but more of things uh, staying the same and I think we'll talk about uh, the the maybe top five or so implementation areas, which, which I which I think are are interesting, and and there's there's some other things that we'll pull out of there that uh, uh, I don't know that they're terribly surprising, but they they certainly show us some trends. Tom, Tom, what were your reactions? Well, I think I had the same reaction to it. I I I think that the, the survey responses 
Connor, are tracking the same way that our economy happens to be tracking, which is slow recovery. Uh, it is, I think, interesting that spending, even though budgets have increased, I think that most most respondents uh, said that, that they have a bigger budget uh, than last year to work with, but spending is down even more than last year. Now, spending is, uh, it's, it's a, I think, an 11% down from 2009, only 3% down from last year, but still, spending is, even though there might be more money on the table, I think that law firms are being more cautious on their technology purchases. And uh, as as the, the survey uh, indicates that the majority of these purchases tend to be on what what they call their their bread and butter technology and 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 hardware being the uh, I think the big thing they they seem to it looks to me like most purchases are being spent on keeping inventory current you know recycling desktops laptops getting either new servers or replacing servers um, and it it also looks though like firms are starting that inevitable upgrade to the next version or the latest version of Microsoft Office it's been out for nearly two years I guess it's been about two years since Microsoft Office 2010 came out and finally like it like you might expect you're seeing a lot of law firms moving in that direction. Um, you know, I, I think that although you see hardware being the main story, one of the uh, other interesting trends that I noticed from the, uh, the report is that there is a pretty interesting increase in the use of virtualization technology. I think nearly half of the survey responses show that they're implementing some sort of virtual technology, whether it's servers or other virtual platforms. Um, I think my, my, my other takeaway from the general... Um, uh, the my, the general survey results is the increase in disaster recovery and business continuity purchases. I think they're up nearly over ten, over ten percent over last year, and I think that that's that means that law firms are finally, or, or at least more law firms, are taking seriously their responsibility to protect law firm data. And hopefully, uh, from my line of work, that means that they're moving away from backup tapes to more of a, 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 as, as an archive of law firm records. I, I noted that they also uh, ha showed a modest increase in the use of e-discovery software, which makes sense to me because I think that more law firms are finding themselves handling e-discovery functions in-house. So you would expect to see an uptick in the use of e-discovery software. Dennis, any other notable trends that you'd like to mention? Yeah, just a, a, a couple of things, a couple of comments on some of the things that you noticed as well. I mean, the disaster recovery uh Numbers were interesting, I guess, with the recent earthquake last week and Hurricane Irene barreling down on the East Coast. I wonder if they took the survey now. Those numbers might even go up more. But okay. I, I think that I think there is an increased focus on disaster recovery, the things that, that can go wrong. I was also I, – I really uh, w was intrigued by how it looks like during the, the the real big part of the economic downturn, I think the hardware and software upgrades were pushed back. And so I think we see the, the you know, the, the past year, um, the catch up being done. So probably lawyers at the larger firms are, are actually finding new equipment um, that they're using now, probably Probably more laptops. And then also, Tom, we've talked in the past about the whole bring your own device movement where uh, people can buy their own equipment, typically tablets, sometimes phones, but, and the IT departments will support them. And, 
Yeah, and it's interesting the growth there. So, fifty-five percent of firms do support. Um, will provide IT support for for employees who purchase their own tablet devices, and so I know that we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later. But but that was one of the probably the biggest growth areas. If you were looking for one place that changed the most between this year and last year, it was it's basically iPads, and so that that tablet area uh, is is starting to get some traction in law firms as as well it is as it is in the consumer world. And I want to kind of go back to you on e-discovery because I thought um, as much as you read about e-discovery everywhere in legal technology and almost every conference, um, almost every publication, it seemed that e-discovery was really buried in the survey. And so I didn't see a strong focus or that it was like the hot area at all. I, I had no sense, almost no sense of e-discovery at all. It was um, I know you focus a bit more on it or you probably would see more of it than than I did looking at this survey. But was was your that your sense that not maybe not that much was happening in e-discovery? Um, I agree with you. I don't think that there was a, a huge focus on e-discovery as part of the survey to begin with. But but what I saw, I guess, doesn't completely surprise me. And the reason is that I think that if you look at the majority of firm respondents, you've got firms between 50 and 200 lawyers. And I'm where I'm seeing most adoption of e-discovery software is still in the bigger firms. I think that you're starting to see it in the firms of 50 to 200, and, and I guess to a certain extent, even lower than than 50 lawyer firms. But I, I guess I'm not surprised just because I think that the firms are a little bit slow uh, to adopt it because I, I don't think that they're seeing as much e-discovery and they may be making the choice to outsource a lot of their e-discovery and, and have their clients send their data to a vendor rather than do a lot of the work in-house. Where I see most firms uh, with with robust e-discovery purchases, uh, you're seeing them in, uh, in in the bigger firms, in the firms that are over 200. That's That's my impression at least. Dennis, do you think one thing that I noticed here um, and one question that you had asked in our show notes was whether or not IT is setting the agenda here? It's sort of my impression from this survey that primarily they are setting the agenda. I mean, certainly with virtualization, certainly with the purchase of hardware. I mean, the virtualization is something that I don't think lawyers particularly understand or care about too much. Um, and hardware purchases also seem to be a lot of standard upgrade to replace old equipment. But I thought what was interesting is that the attorney requests for technology are getting a lot larger. It's It, it rose almost 20% this particular year. And I think that that's driven in large part, as you said before, by what I've called and what other people have called, not I didn't invent this, the consumerization of technology, of IT, that, that uh, there are more consumer-driven technologies being used in firms, and iPads and tablet computing is the strongest example of that, and that IT departments are being forced to accommodate these requests. Is that, is that your sense as well? Yeah, and, and I maybe have a more jaundiced take on that as well, but I, I think that as a lawyer, if you're asking, you would like to have new software, you would like to have you know more things that you can do on the web, collaboration tools, uh, you know, document assembly, all those things that would help you in your practice. And you find out that your firm is just focusing totally on bread and butter, you know, servers, virtualization, those sorts of things. Caught, you know, fo big focus on cost. Then 
the fact that you're getting iPad or a new laptop or stuff may may keep you quiet for another year. And so so I think that, you know, I, I do have some sense of that. And that's what surprised me because I did not see a lot of those software categories that maybe, you know, you and I champion as, as showing up much in the survey. Now, part of that is, I mean, there's a lot of questions that get asked in the survey, which is why I think it's really useful. And, and some of those things they didn't focus on. I know in past years they did focus on collaboration tools. So some of that may not just be surfacing. But I do have the sense that it is, is you know, a highly IT-driven uh, uh, priorities out there. So, so that was kind of interesting to me. And then the other thing that, that continues to, to just shock me is that every year, the main thing that law firms seem to be focusing on is email management. And it's every single year. And, and so, you know, I'm... I'm known for saying email is broken, but uh, you know how many times can we can we go to to work on email management and not actually get our email managed before we realize there's there's a big problem there? I don't really know uh, what people are doing, and I'm not sure that at a a law firm um, I, I I would want to keep that being the priority. I mean, I would, I would want to focus on some other tools, maybe. Well, and, and I guess my problem here is that the, the term email management is framed a little um, a, a little vaguely in the survey, because I'm not sure when I see email management what that means. The way that I choose to look at email management is in terms of archiving, and that that, that companies and law firms especially, but this is not a law firm phenomenon by any means, that companies are looking at better ways to manage email. And I think that this reflects sort of a growing awareness. I don't, I don't think this means email is broken at all. I mean, that's a separate topic for a separate podcast, which I think we've already had at some point. But, um, but I think that what this is, is part of a growing awareness by law firms and other companies that business records reside in email, that whether we want them to or not, lawyers and other employees are putting business communications in email. And just like any other records, they need to be managed appropriately. And instead of having them clog up your exchange server with lots of messages and duplicate messages, many companies and law firms are moving towards archive solutions so that they are able to store those, to manage risk, to manage legal hold issues, and to make sure that they are in line with the firm's record retention schedule. So I view that as a positive development and not one that, that means that email is broken. Um, we've got just a few minutes left, so I want to get final conclusions. My, my, um, my one final, I guess, takeaway from the survey is an interesting one on the rise of cloud computing. I think it's very interesting to see that a third are using cloud computing tools and another third are looking into using cloud computing tools. But when you dig a little bit further into the survey, you find out that most are just using cloud tools for saving their data. So backup or storage or disaster recovery. And they're not using uh, a lot of tools for practice management, case management, um, other types of, of interesting services that are more front facing for the lawyer. They're more back, backward, back office facing for IT to deal with. So I think that, you know, you, you, you look, yeah, a few questions down in the survey, you ask, uh, they ask, what are the main concerns about cloud computing? And you see that security and confidentiality being two of the biggest concerns of using a cloud-based tool. And I think that's part of the reason why we're not seeing a broader adoption of the more general, uh, the, the more general, uh, uh, 
types of cloud-based tools. Dennis, can you take us out of this segment with uh, any final thoughts on the survey? Yeah, I just think this is an extremely valuable survey every year. And it's it's just key data for anybody who's interested in legal tech, but especially people in, in larger firms, because it gives you that rule of thumb, you know, how much of budget is being spent on things, those sorts of things, where are things happening? It sure feels like a holding pattern to me, but there are some interesting pockets of activities out there. My big question is... It, it, just feels so much like an IT-driven uh, agenda that that law firms have, and I, I wonder when lawyers are going to start to to pressure for for more of the technology tools that I think really will really make a difference. And it could be in that that consumerization trend. If I get an iPad and I'm trying apps and I can do all these things, then that will start to translate to the tools that I want to use in the office as well. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to introduce us to the world of cloud computing and how it can be beneficial to lawyers and law firms. Jack, we're hearing great things about cloud computing and its utility for law firms. Can you tell me why so many lawyers are excited about cloud computing? I think the most important thing about cloud computing from a lawyer's perspective is that it gives them the power and breadth of features that traditional desktop and server-based software uh, gives them without all of the IT overhead and inconvenience. So there's uh, all the benefits and none of the downsides of traditional desktop-based software and they're able to focus on practicing law with a really solid cloud computing platform behind them. So I think that's where you're seeing a lot of the, the excitement is they're now able to realize the, the potential of IT without all of the headaches. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mall Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we'll be doing another round of revisiting where we go back to the main topic of the prior episode and talk about the questions and discussions we saw from that episode. Now, perhaps appropriately, last week I did a webinar on LinkedIn for Lawyers with Allison Shields and Michelle Golden, and we ran into time problems. So fortunately, working with really talented veteran presenters gives you more options when you start to run out of time. And we combined a few sections into one and went right to a best tips conclusion slide to, to kind of end things on a timely basis. Um, it worked out OK, but boy, it's sure easier to save time when you're the only presenter. Um, Tom, do we get any ideas or did you have any other thoughts about shortening uh, what to do when you're running out of time in your presentation? From my standpoint, I'm going to make this segment fairly quick and say, no, I think that we covered kind of what our advice needs to be. Now, you've kind of thrown a, a, an interesting 
thing into it, which is presenting on a group panel, which I think introduces a whole new dynamic to the uh, to the to the equation. But I think that our advice still holds. So it's important to do two things. First, plan out your slides so you know how long it's going to take you, and more importantly, how to adjust those slides if you're taking longer than you expected. And second rehearse your presentation so you're not doing it for the first time in front of the audience. Now, I, I think, Dennis, you raise a good point. When you have a group panel, you you can't you can only control what you do and you can't control what other people do. And if they're going to run long, you have to be prepared. And so I think that, that, that having a game plan ahead of time for what do we do and what do we need to get through, making sure you go through that with your panel is extremely important so that you all are cooperating. If you just meet for the first time when you hit that table just before the presentation, I think that you are doing uh, your presentation a disservice before uh, uh, you, you really need to get together and, and plan out what you're going to do beforehand. Dennis, any thoughts? Yeah, those are great points, Tom. And I, the, the other thing is I saw a presentation the other day where, where somebody totally ran out of time and they only made it few, through a few slides and clearly didn't – they didn't even make it to the conclusion slide. They just kind of stopped mid-course. And and I, I, I think you're right, timing things out, giving a sense where things are coming. But I, I think looking at the last three or four slides and saying, okay, if I run out of time, how can I use these slides to exit – my presentation on time, um, I th think really becomes helpful because you know at any time, no matter how little time is left, that you have an exit strategy and how to get out. And then I think, like I said, rehearsing or knowing exactly what you're going to do in the last 30 seconds of your presentation to conclude strongly rather than to say, oh, I guess I ran out of time is just such a, a more powerful uh, way to end, to end a presentation to leave a positive impression. Tom? Yep, I totally agree. Before we go to our parting shots, let's have a word from Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Try it out free at myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. All right. My, my uh, parting shot has nothing to do with legal technology, but it has everything to do with what's going on lately. If you're on the East Coast, um, you have likely felt an earthquake lately, and you, by the time this podcast posts, may have felt the effects of a hurricane going by. And so I'm going to put a, put a plug in for hurricane and other tracking apps that you can get for your iPad and iPhone. I'll post these on the show notes page, but I've been playing around with an app the past couple of days called Hurricane HD on the iPad, and it is an amazing app 
map for tracking uh, a hurricane. It, it it shows you where the where it is, where it's going to be, what the current stats are. You've got any number of different satellite and radar images. It provides uh, up to date radio and video or audio and video updates from the National uh, Hurricane Center on what's going on. It is a fantastic app for tracking hurricanes. I'll also post a couple in the show notes on tracking earthquakes and other natural disasters. Dennis. And, and yeah, and people should remember Twitter, of course. Uh, there was a great thing after the earthquake where somebody commented that Twitter is the best source f- uh, in, in emergency for accurate news, inaccurate news, and quick humor about any any breaking uh, event. So I have I have two parting shots today. So one is from Scott Hanselman, who has uh, a lot of us are always asked to help out with somebody else's computer. And so he has a great list of uh, resources called the Technical Friends Essential Maintenance Checklist for Non-Technical Friends Windows Computers. Um, shorten URLs, HTTP, colon, uh, slash, slash, B-I-T dot L-Y slash M, capital V, capital R, six, capital T-S. So that's one that's great. And the other is, uh, got some, we had a great response to that LinkedIn for Lawyers webinar and the, in the on-demand replay version of it is available on the Ali Abba site, A-L-I hyphen A-B-A. And uh, you can just do a search on the site to find that LinkedIn for lawyers with uh, Allison Shields, Michelle Golden, and me. And if you if you really want to get an idea of how you can use LinkedIn better, that's a, it's a I, I think turned out to be a really great webinar. And of course, all of those links will be on the show notes blog at tkmreport.com. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as those links that we talked about, are available on the show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. The best legal tech trend for 2011 is subscribing to this podcast in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.